Welcome to Life Church Podcasts. We know you'll be blessed by this message. Word of God. Can we pray? Lord, we bring this word, I bring this word to you this morning. And Lord, ask your blessing on it. Lord, I pray that you would impart to us, Lord, what is needed as is needed. I ask you that in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So uh, I just got to say some things this morning that I really would prefer not to have to say in church. Uh, But I just feel I should. Uh, You all know what's going on in our nation at the moment and uh, uh, what the government are wanting to do uh, and change the uh, Marriage Act. And it's, it's an important issue. And I just feel, well, if I say nothing uh, and assume you will all know what we should do or how we should vote, I, I just feel I'm probably not doing my job if I don't say something. But there's things that I just don't like talking about because, you know, I'd rather talk about a whole lot of other different things that have got blessing associated to them or whatever else. So I do want to go to the Word of God this morning and I want to talk about the type of marriage, um, et cetera, et cetera, being a, uh, uh, an example, a, like a word picture of Christ in the church. But I guess there are some things I need to say first. And so you know they're wanting to change the Marriage Act to to say that marriage, instead of being between a man and a woman, exclusive of all others, that it will just be between two people. And uh, they say there's no harm in that, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but it is a profound change. And uh, one thing we do know... uh, that once something is changed, then it's easier to change other things. And they're saying that's all it will be. It will not change any further than that. Don't trust. <laughs> Don't believe them. They are clueless if they think that. And uh, there is already uh, lobby groups and uh, et cetera, et cetera, out there uh, lobbying to change it further. And uh, it, it won't stop, I'm telling you. They will say that they're being discriminated against. And uh, it's, it's really, uh, it, it will not end. Um, uh, in every nation of the world that has already passed legislation to allow homosexual marriage, uh, they all pass concurrent legislation legislating that if that was a conscience problem to you, you didn't have to do it. They're now all changed and they're all, or are in the process of changing. Uh, if you read press, you should be up to date with what's going on. Sweden's the latest nation that is now changing and their president said the law says anyone can marry, so I don't care, clergy or anyone else should, be, should have to abide by the law and if they won't, they'll be prosecuted. So uh, where did the safeguards go? So what can be legislated can also be legislated out. And uh, I just got to tell you, I don't trust them. Uh, The same with businesses in the wedding industry and churches that hold weddings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It will change the landscape uh, for sure. And... uh, 
There's people being refused jobs. There's people who have lost their jobs. Reading about a high school teacher in the United States this week lost her job because she will not teach other than what the Bible teaches and so has lost her job. And so it, it, it's more widespread than clergy or churches. It's, it's extensive and uh, uh, it is a, is a concern. You would think... Uh, uh, well, the Catholic Archbishop of Hobart, Julian Porteous, he was brought before the Tasmanian Anti-Discrimination Organisation in 2015 for daring to teach from the pulpit what the Bible says about marriage. And, I mean, there's been no law changed yet. And he was taken to the tribunal, cost him hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees and etc. I guess the church paid that. I hope they did for him. But... Uh, that's just one thing. Uh, as far as legislation safeguarding people, the, one of the sub-editors of the Australian newspaper, Paul Kelly, uh, wrote an article recently and said this, if exemptions for Christian ministers are made law, only a fool would believe such exemptions can last very long. What is given as an exemption will come to be viewed as it should, as an anomaly, and eventually people will see such exemptions are a loophole that must be closed. So uh, I'm just stating to you how it, what it, you know, that's how the land lies. And, uh, and I say if it's changed. And if we vote no, I mean, who knows what God can do? I don't know. I'm not saying and I'm not downcast in my life or in my faith because I believe the word of God. And Jesus said very, very specifically and very, very clearly that he would build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And you don't attack with gates. Gates stop you getting in, okay, or they stop the cows getting out. They're not a, they're not a weapon. The army don't set gates up, do they, when they're having a war and say, so well, you can't go through the gate. Like, it's not, they're not an attacking weapon and the context of the scripture is that the gates will not hold out against Jesus building his church and uh, uh, what's his name Reinhard Bolke often preaches about plundering hell to populate heaven believe in that hundred <laughs> percent so uh, whatever happens I believe Jesus will build his church and I'm you know I'm part of that and want to continue to be part of that whatever happens but uh, those publicly speaking out and warning against the lifestyle uh, are being called homophobic or bigots. Uh, pray for Lyle Shelton from the Christian lobby. He is doing an incredible job. And uh, the stuff that's happened to him has just been vile and to his family. And uh, he really needs you to be praying for him at this time. He's a good guy. And... Uh, but I want to know what the Bible says about these things because I know one thing, that if you live by the instructions, by the word of God, you will be blessed. There is blessing in the word of God. If you live outside of it, you put yourself in no man's land, basically. And uh, I want to abide by what the word of God says. What it says safe will always be safe. What it warns against will always be dangerous. And we need to be aware of these things. Uh, 
uh, you know, the word of God. And I don't want to go and read verses about things this morning. Read Romans chapter 1, 24, 27, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. There's two scriptures that will give you some idea of the warnings the Bible makes. I love this scripture, 1 Timothy 3, chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Uh, Paul is writing to Timothy. Uh, Paul's an apostle. Paul planted, he started lots of churches uh, and uh, uh, he appointed elders and pastors in those. <clears throat> and so Timothy was Pastor Timothy at Ephesus and Paul's writing him a letter just to set the scene. So Paul writes to him, these things I write to you, though I hope to come to see you shortly. But if I am delayed, so he wants to come and say, I want to come and see you, I want to come and talk to you, but in case I sort of get held up and I don't get there, well, I'm going to write you this anyway, so you've got what I want you to know. But if I am delayed, I write so you may know how to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. So that's important, isn't it? So church is not just any gathering, you know. It's, this, this is not just the trotting club or the, the budgie club or the canary club. I don't know, they have clubs for all sorts of things, don't they? The, the race, the car racing club. This is the church of the living God, okay? This, this is a step up, let me tell you. The church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So if you want to know what truth is, the church should be upholding truth. Not flying all over the place. The church needs to be upholding the truth. And uh, sadly, that's not happening. There are a lot of uh, churches and organisations that are for change, uh, which is uh, sad. How they work those things out from the word of God, I don't really know. But First uh, Timothy... Second uh, Timothy, sorry, chapter four covers the day in which we live to a large extent. When it's uh, Paul tells Timothy, preach the word uh, in season, out of season, repro- reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and turn away from the truth and shall be turned into fables. And so a lot of that is happening in the day in which we live. But uh, I, I, uh, uh, it's, uh, we've got to be careful. Like what we need to do is be careful that we sincerely love people because while there are people on the other side of the argument are doing some pretty horrific stuff, there are some Christians who... Uh, while rightfully not supporting what's what's proposed to happen, do stuff that's really bad as well. And uh, we need to understand that God so loved the world, not just Christians. There weren't any of them when he came, okay? He loved the world. And uh, I've been accused at times of being anti-Israel, and I am not, but... Uh, it doesn't say God so loved Israel that he gave his only son. God so loved the world. And so Palestinian people are included in the world. Muslim people are included in the world. He so loved the people of the world. 
that he came to the earth, gave up his life, shed his blood on the cross. We've celebrated communion this morning because he wanted all people to believe in him, to come to him for salvation, find truth and find freedom and have, you know, like... We've got to remember that. God so loved the world. We need to love people regardless of what they currently are because we can get all, you know, probably homophobic's the word, and, oh, they're, they're this, but what about people of heterosexual uh, bent, like should be, who are unfaithful or who are, uh, you know, like what about them? What about all sorts of people like... Uh, it's no good getting uppity about one group of people. We need to love all people and want all people to come to Christ, to the truth. That's what our hearts should be. And, uh, uh, you know, that can be a challenge at times, but that's how it needs to be. And so I trust that uh, if, that's, uh, if that's hard for you, that you will, uh, you will get uh, really... Uh, uh, praying about that one because we really, 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 really need to love people. That is just really, really important. So I just thought, how do you, how do you, uh, you know, how do you go about? Uh, and so I don't want to talk about the lifestyle itself. I mean, the the AMA have got a report at the moment about the homosexual lifestyle, the, about children brought up in those relationships, and it's really damning. It's not good. And so they will not release it. They release all sorts of other reports. And I guarantee you this morning, if they found that kids raised in Christian homes missed out, they would, that would be on the front page of the paper. But they will not release it. Five very highly ranked doctors have resigned from the organisation because they will not be honest and release it. But, uh, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? Would you let your children play on the road? What if you had a rule in your family? Kids are not allowed to go out and play on the road. But the neighbours have no such rules and their kids play on the road. A couple of them get run over and a couple killed, but that's okay. We love them, we want to let them do what they like and see a couple of your kids go out and play on the road. And you find out and you discipline them. Well, if, if the same rules applied to what we're talking about were applied to you... Uh, you could be accused of all sorts of things, discriminating against your children because you won't let them do that. You discipline two of them and not the rest because they were obedient. Uh, you could be accused of bigotry against your neighbours and probably told if you love your children you wouldn't discriminate against them. And if you'd given them play equality, then they wouldn't now feel discriminated. Like it's just ridiculous where it goes. And seriously, there are reasons God says no. And we need to be aware of those. So um, I've heard all sorts of uh, uh, arguments, and I'll explain some of them as we go through. People trying to argue that the Bible does not say homosexuality is wrong. Uh, and how they work that out, I cannot see. But anyway, but all I know is this: that Second Timothy chapter two verse fifteen says this, and this is where I stand, and this is the challenge for me personally. Uh, reading from the Amplified Bible, Paul says to Timothy again: Study to do your best to present yourself to God approved, a workman who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling 
and skillfully teaching the word of truth. And that's what I promise that I will try to do as long as I can stand upright. And the word of God should be preached truthfully, whatever it says all the time. And uh, praise God. So the Bible never ever attempts to cover the weaknesses of its characters. God didn't write and get people to write the, uh, the scriptures and cover up. David committed adultery. He was a man that had a heart like God. It doesn't try and cover it up. It clearly explains what people did. Uh, you know, poor old Peter was one of the most powerful preachers and apostles there was. He was awesome. But man, during his journey, he had his foot in his mouth that often he was hopeless. And uh, it gives you great encouragement to me. Like it doesn't, doesn't cover all that up. It's quite clear. And it's just a beautiful book, and I tell you what, you'll be blessed as you live it out in your lives. But can I go from here and just just explain some things about marriage this morning that, uh, and get off the subject that I'm on, uh, sort of. But um, Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, it's a great chapter of scripture, and you'll find there... Uh, uh, ladies, honour your husbands, uh, obey your husbands, live under their leadership, whatever your version says. And uh, then husbands are to love their wives like Christ loved the church. Uh, that's, that's a hard one. That's not easy. We, we, that means laying down your life at times for some of us guys. And, uh, uh, but that's the challenge of it, isn't it? But there's blessing in living God's way. There really is. Uh, Ladies, you ought to be the biggest encouragers of your husband that there are. You know, if he put a new back door on it, fell off, we'll say, gee, darling, what an incredible effort you made to put that on. You can't help it if the screws were no good. Don't, don't, don't tell him he's hopeless, you know. Like, seriously, you ought to be his greatest encourager. And, uh, and husbands, you ought to love your wives. How long since you told your wife that you loved her? How long since you told her how beautiful she was? Especially in the morning when she wakes up. Yeah. Just just say, yeah. But you should. You should be encouraging her like that. I've told you previously about five or six years ago, some organisation in America got government money, millions of dollars to study why relationships, marriage relationships don't last and... And they come up with this very profound things that, uh, that you know, blind Freddie uh, through a little eyeglass could have found in his Bible. Like, seriously, uh, they come up with that women need and desire to be loved for who they are. And that men just love to be encouraged. Well, they could have just read Ephesians chapter 5, couldn't they? They just could have read some scriptures and found that out at very cheap cost. <laughs> But anyway, I'll leave it there. I won't go any further. But may I, may I just read uh, in Ephesians chapter 5 two verses? Because if I read all the verses this morning, I'll get way behind and I won't have time to finish. I guarantee that. As the scriptures say, Paul writes, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. And then he writes, this is a profound mystery, a great mystery, but it is an illustration of Christ and the church. 
And I think I can best explain the mystery by going back to where it all began in the book of Genesis. So Genesis chapter 1 today. And again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time, I haven't got a lot of time to, uh, but I just there's bits of verses I really want to read to you this morning. And uh, so starting in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. So in the beginning, God created, God made people. That's what we believe. We didn't come from two specks of dust that no one knows where they come from, colliding at high speed and making an explosion. I just would like to see how that happened. If you could fire a speck of dust this morning out of a gun from one side to the other and let it collide, I guarantee it wouldn't explode in the middle of the room. But apparently that's what happened and here we are. <clears throat> You've got to be joking. So God created us, God made us in his, in his image. Verse 27, God created man, his own image, in the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. So today you either carry XX or XY chromosomes and that will determine who you are. And if you don't think that's what you are, well, you carry those chromosomes and that is who you are. And there's no good pretending to be anything else. They want us to play pretendy, don't they, these days? You've got to pretend with the grandkids, yeah. Pretend you can't see them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm not going there, I'll get lost, seriously. But uh, and And the... The, uh, uh, I don't know quite what word to say, but in verse 28, you will find the purpose of marriage, which is, again, why we say, why Bible teaches very clearly here that it's between a man and a woman. It says, then God blessed them, and God said to them, verse 28, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. Subdue it, etc., etc., etc. He goes on to say, so be multiply and fill the earth. And um, uh, I know a uh, well-known homosexual lobbyist, a, a Christian one, spent an hour with Brian Houston trying to explain from those verses how God could easily have created two men. And I don't know how they were going to go forth and fill the earth, but uh, and. Uh, they got very angry. Got very angry with Brian when he wouldn't be convinced. But uh, you've got to be joking. And uh, yeah, seriously. But what I want to do this morning, and where I really want to go, is into chapter two. And you know, those of you who know the Word of God, that uh, explains the basics in chapter one, and it goes back over it in chapter two and gives us some more details. So in verse eighteen. It says this, And the Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper comparable to him. Verse 21, it says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And in that verse is the mystery, the, uh, the explanation of how marriage is a type of Christ and the church that Paul spoke about in Ephesians. 
and uh, I'll explain a little bit more as we go along. Verse 23, Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And if I'm not mistaken, I think we might have read that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, just a couple of minutes ago. We said last week, Scripture fits with Scripture, it complements Scripture, uh, Scripture complements scripture, scripture, it doesn't contradict itself, the Bible never does. And so what uh, Paul wrote under the unction of the Holy Ghost in Ephesians chapter 5, Moses wrote about Genesis thousands of years before. And uh, so you understand what uh, Scripture is saying there, that God put Adam to sleep. I wonder how he did that. Did he get the doctors in and give him an anaesthetic and check him out and put the thing on to check his blood pressure and and then, uh, yeah, woke him up? I don't know how he woke him up. Maybe he went bang and hit him. No, I don't think he did that. He... Uh, Sure, he didn't do that, so he put him to sleep somehow. He might have got him to count the sheep and he went off, I don't know, but he he went off to sleep and God opened his side because that's where your ribs are, aren't they? They're sort of around there and took a rib and from from that he formed the woman. So the fulfilment of that we can read in scripture also fulfillment of the type and we read that in John chapter 19 in John's gospel chapter 19 and this is when Jesus was hanging on the cross uh, giving up his life took our punishment the punishment we should have paid for our sin he took he paid the price he, he, he's he's paid for us we're free if we believe in him amen amazing and so you read about it in, uh, in John chapter 19, verses 32 to 34. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the, of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. It's, uh, it's um, uh, uh, oh my goodness, it's left me. Early psalm, it talks that you know, none of his bones would be broken prophetically and they weren't. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear. And immediately blood and water came out. And that is the same, it's it's the type of what happened right back in the beginning when man was made. God opened his side and out of that came the woman Out of the side of Jesus came his bride, the church. We exist because blood and water flowed out of Jesus. That's a type in Genesis of what happened there on the cross many, 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 many years later. Christ is the heavenly bridegroom and uh, from himself he gave life to his bride. The... uh, Uh, blood of course talks of atonement forgiveness and cleansing of sin we wouldn't be in the church if we weren't those things okay and uh, the water from his side came water and there's a there's medical reasons they can explain why blood and water it's not possible for that to 
to happen, but it is possible for that to happen in certain circumstances and that can be explained. But what does the water mean? Well, possibly, uh, firstly, sanctification by the word, again going back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, uh, talks about making her holy, that is the church, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. But I think it also uh, uh, signifies life. You know, we've got life, we've got eternal life. Uh, going back to John's Gospel in chapter 4, the uh, Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus said, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to her, Sir, give me this water. <laughs> Don't you love that? Sir, give me this water. I want this water. And if we will drink that water, we receive eternal life. Amen? And it just keeps bubbling up and bubbling up and bubbling up and bubbling up. I, I love springs. Do you like springs? I just used to get... get uh, work digging springs out and making wells for them and just different things when I was earth moving but I love the springs where they're in roads it just amuses me and there's one down at uh, uh, what's that little place Uh, no but it's toward Wangaratta Uh, Warby Springs yeah yeah (laughs) couldn't think of the name used to be a little stop there when that was the highway and the water just keeps bubbling up. And uh, there's another one on the road between Beechworth and Wodonga, not far up from where we once lived. And I'd, I'd, I'd kill myself laughing. They dig it up, get a 30-ton excavator in a huge hole, and they filled it up with concrete and put railway sleepers and all these pipes out. Six months later, it's bubbling up through the bitumen, and I just thought it's a type of salvation. <laughs> It's a type of the water that we drink that regardless of what happens to us, it just keeps bubbling up and bubbling up and bubbling up and it can't be stopped, amen? doesn't matter how lousy your week's been, it can't stop bubbling it up, whatever they do, amen? I just love that, I really do. So there, my friends, is the, is the type of, uh, 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 you know, Adam and Eve being created from him and from the side of Jesus Christ comes his church, the bride, which is what we are. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's a type and the type of marriage that they're talking about does not fit the type that is in there and it offends me that uh, it ruins a very beautiful type in scripture But, uh, but I do know that all people who come to Jesus for salvation will be saved, and I don't care what their sexual orientation is, that makes no difference. They can all be saved. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Because you're going to grade sin, or how do we go about that? Like, uh, So all people accept this or that, or there's no exclusions. Anyone that comes to Jesus can be saved. There's a church not very far from here. I know the pastor personally very, very, very well and uh, it's a good church and they had a young man there that came along who was uh, homosexual 
and he claimed that he was born that way and he couldn't help being that way and they were unfair and discriminatory against him and he, uh, he was apparently rather difficult to deal with but he came out one day and gave his life to Christ and not a call. Within two weeks he had completely changed, completely changed. Uh, he was freaking a few young ladies out in the church by asking him out on dates and they were sort of thinking... Uh, I'm saved and he is just so radically changed it's not even funny like it's uh, I don't care who or what people are God can save anyone remember Yongi Cho he was studying to be a Buddhist monk totally against the scriptures totally totally do you remember the story and uh, a young Korean girl and they will not accept things in career off young girls, growing men, well, that's, that's, that's out. And she knocked on his door and wanted to give him a Bible, and he declined. And she came back three times, and no. He said no. And she must have wore him down a bit, because on the fourth time she came back. And he said, what must I do for you to never come back here again? She said, take this book and read it. He said, I will take the book, but you must give me your word. I will not, you will not come back. She said, well, you give me your word, you'll read it. He said, okay. And she looked in the room and she saw a bucket in there. He had TB. He was dying actually from it. He was coughing up blood all day. And when she saw the bucket, she said, please don't start at the beginning. Start here in Matthew's gospel. Very clever. <laughs> and... Uh, Yongi Cho read the book. He read through Matthew's Gospel. And he said, God, I don't know who you are. I don't know who I'm talking to. But if you're who you are, you say in this book, please help me. And uh, he found Christ. And look what's happened out of that. God can save anyone. Absolutely convinced of that. <laughs> Praise God. And so, uh, so vote no, but don't stop loving people. You've got to love people seriously I, I want to see all people changed amen I don't care what they believe who they are and God can do that where did we all come from amen I hope that wasn't too bad this morning but I just wanted you to know where I stand on the issues and uh, yeah praise God so why don't we just stand yeah are we proposing to sing a song eh? we uh, why don't we just do some worship why don't we just worship Jesus for a little bit this morning oh yeah thank you Jesus who senses the presence of God here today you've been listening to a life church podcast we're located in Benalla Victoria to find out more about life church search for life church Benalla in your favorite internet search engine or on social media we pray this podcast has been a blessing to you.